Hey, everybody. Uh, this is uh, Capital Cooperative for this week. Um, and since we last recorded, a lot of good news, a lot of bad news has happened. So we're going to be going over that today and then later in the episode, uh, dive into some Senate election races. Um, so Zach's not joining us today, so it's just Brennan and I. So what up, what up? what's up, Brennan? Yeah. So um, where do you want to start? Start bad news, good news? Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, yeah. So let's start with the bad. Um, so recently there was the Janus decision. Uh, which decimates the public sector unions by not allowing unions to collect non-member fees, um, which is basically the whole point of being in a union is to cl- like collect collect fees um, and yep. and dues so you can you know organize and fight management, right? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of this came from different i forget exactly the janice case itself but janice v asked me yeah in general there's this weird pushback in i i've heard about it in the context of teachers union mm-hmm. someone who might work other jobs or is more of a part-time employee at a teacher's union or excuse me at a, at a school and even if they are a full-time employee of that school they there's all kinds of you know issues folks have and even just ideological nonsense um, and it, this is the one way that I feel like Kennedy just sort of went out with a, went out with a bang. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, isn't it, isn't that funny? Oh, he... I'm a moderate jurist. Um, <laughs> but you know what? No, I don't, I don't care about people. No, I, I don't care about the working class. Obviously, no. obviously no, just, it doesn't no, give a like fuck. humans in general. I care more about capital. Like, yeah, of course <laughs> yeah, he does. Of course he does. I care more about, I care more about capital than human beings. But yeah, so, um, roughly 30% of public employees, uh, are unionized that is about to start looking more like the private sector which only has eight percent of workers that are unionized uh just real briefly i mean this is obviously you know, i mean i don't think we need to go into it much i think our listeners pretty much uh you know agree that this is a terrible fucking decision and and is just basically another extension of class warfare um from capital going after working class people yep and then I mean, it doesn't stop there with the courts no. on the bad news front that uh, we're we're on right now. And then you 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 have Trump's Muslim ban, um, and that was upheld. So, again, props to Anthony Kennedy or whatever his first name is on that. I don't even Judge Kennedy. Okay. Anthony. Yeah. Anyway, Anthony um, the the big thing there that that baffles my mind um, is there are folks in these Middle Eastern countries who are extremely intelligent, who want to become a part of an American system. And to be honest with you, the ones that are most successful become Republicans. Yeah. They become Republican. The Uber CEO, the guy who invented LASIK, all these NASA engineers. Think about the names of dentists in phone books. I'm going to tell you, they're all telling you they're <laughs> Persian. I'm sorry. I'm just letting you know, dentists, certain doctors, they come here they get advanced degrees they set up small businesses in america that sometimes become big businesses in america they pay a lot of taxes and they vote republican not enough taxes though (laughs) well it's and it's just insane though how you know if you want to talk about merit-based immigration there there's some groups that are being discriminated against in this ban if you want to go that far and say oh immigration should be merit-based that it's like you want this is backwards and that that kind of thing is really frustrating, um, and there, there's a reason why we have sanctions and things like that against Iran mm-hmm. because 
unlike North Korea, they they're a little bit more capable of like creating these nuclear. Right. Yeah. There's. Well, weapons. I mean, they have more resources, so, like yeah, natural resources and everything. So. We, I mean, more brain power. Well, yeah, I that's to say it that way. Like, but just in general, like that's. Well, yeah. When of, you when you indoctrinate kids from youth to you know be about Jushi, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, like the regime has very smart people there wanting to leave. That we're just like, nah, no, please don't take your advanced degree to the United States and make money with it. Just like, let let the regime like tell you that your kid can't be gay or whatever. Right. You know. Yeah. So two terrible fucking decisions recently coming out of the Supreme Court. And then to top it all off, uh, asshole Justice Kennedy announces his retirement during, you know, what I would say is a fascist regime. Um, so props to him for really having a fucking backbone and spine, uh, to stand up for, you know, marriage equality and women's rights and basically like anything that is good. Uh, <laughs> so fuck him. Um, he's a terrible person. I, I don't give a fuck about his legacy. I would like to explore though, the funny range of replacements. And I don't have their names in front of me. Oh, so. But I got to listen to, and please, anybody who actually does listen to this, don't clown me for this. I was listening to Bloomberg Radio, and they <laughs> interviewed all three of them in a row. Like, Bloomberg Radio somehow gets everybody on their shows. I don't know how they do it. Anyway, three of these top, like, folks, two of them Trump appointed, like, eight months ago and haven't even been on a higher court for more than eight months um and they have like extremely little background in written record one of them is like a notre dame professor who has spent her entire career trying to make sure that no one can ever get an abortion again where you're talking about the three like potential Pot- picks potential, yeah three of the top picks hold on i think her name is G- gia gina there's something like that amy coney barrett of coney. the united states court of appeals for the seventh circuit a- appointed very recently very recently very recently then there's brett kavanaugh of the united states court of appeals for the district uh district of columbia circuit he has a long history of yeah. being a jerk he's a fucking republican judge of course and then uh the last one to be floated is judge raymond kethledge of the united states court of appeals for the sixth circuit yeah and kethledge is another one who they said i think like doesn't have a huge background yeah um and then there was one yeah he's like he's like 50 something professor he's like 50 something notre dame professor who is maybe that is who maybe she was that uh the first the first name amy coney barrett amy coney barrett i think may have been the notre dame professor um, I'm not just, sure. Like spent her entire career. I mean, at a Catholic institution, you know, and it's just like, oh man. Yeah. And I've I've met some judges. I'll tell you in in local counties in Northern Virginia, and I mean it ranges from brilliant to, um, like only reads Drudge Report. Right. Um, so moving on from the Supreme Court and the mess that it is, um, Trump, uh, I mean, there's been all this talk about child internment camps and everything. Um, and, uh, actually I was curious, like, how do you feel as a Jewish person calling them concentration camps? Does that offend you? Does that, uh, is that, would you say it's an accurate statement or anything? Like, what what are your thoughts? I'd say it doesn't offend me. Um, the word that I always knew this as, and I'm not speaking from like a good background of like sociological history here, 
but would be like internment camps. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a concentration camp is more of like what you think of as like a work camp that like is um, yeah. like a place that you're never going to leave. But um, whereas I feel like these situations do have some sense of temporariness to them. In the same way, like Japanese internment camps did, right. but I could be speaking from a place of like I just have read a lot of history books that were probably read or written primarily by old white guys. So like the rhetoric I'm using could be all influenced by that. To be honest with you, um, but for me, I'm not offended when people say that. I think it's disgusting, um, like the policy of separating kids from their families. I think that when you look into um, you know, even just anecdotal stories. It's like if you can't send your kid to school in the country you're from and it's going to take years of waiting to get to the United States right. and you want your kid to go to school, to me, that's it. like if you want to get all American values and E on me, <laughs> that's a that's a fucking Ex- American value. Pick exactly. Pick yourself up from your bootstraps yeah. and get your kid to somewhere that they can go to school. You right. Know? <laughs> Shit, like... That's I, I want that person, you know what I mean? Like, right. And so to me, it's like, oh, when they get here, your kid's going to go and sit in that cage, and you're going to go sit in that cage. Uh, what? Like, come on. I don't know. To me, it just doesn't make sense. And calling it a concentration camp, um, likening it to fascist like policies um, and just things in general from like the Nazi it, I mean, it, I, and even the American experience with the Japanese, like, is totally fine and apt to me because, like I said, it's like people who are, you know, I don't know. It just so is so anti-American values-y from the way I was taught it by Republicans at a private school. It's, I mean, it's. So, did you see the Trump like mural within the? Oh my fuck! It's so God. reminiscent of like earlier fascistic eras and. Uh, I mean, that's why I have no problem personally calling them concentration camps because they're concentrating a population of unwanted people in an area like that. By definition, I think it is a concentration camp where you go off and it is how that sounds rhetorically. Right. So, I mean, obviously, that has a huge negative connotation, um, especially in 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 light of, you know, like Nazi Germany and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean. But I, I personally have no problem with calling them that. I, I mean, like, in because they are. <laughs> yeah, and and in general, I, I'm not like there's no qualification behind this statement. But so the same folks who run ICE are the same folks who are local cops who kill unarmed uh, brown people and black people. Right. And they come from that same mindset like that of authoritarian same, yeah, white supremacy. Whole, that's like its own uh, has it that that whole class of folks have their own political ideology roughly for mm-hmm. the most part. And it's I'm I'm generalizing here and I already preface this with I have no qualification to make this statement. Yeah. But to me like I, that's such a minority that doesn't honestly doesn't need to have that much of a voice no. that right now has like an extremely outsized amount of power and what it's starting to look like that power becomes is like Nazis. Like, yeah. be, you know what I mean? And I'm, it's, I'm sorry. It's but, very like, reminiscent. I mean, and like, you know, like uh, obviously like military is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not going to go and judge the United States military on this. But like you know, like cops and ice and ice type guys, like they're they're shaving their heads. They're trying yeah, to become the, part of this culture. They're like very short <laughs> on the sides, flat top yeah, with like the hot dog ass neck. Trying to become part of this culture and yeah. that they're not a part of of like 
elite operators in the U.S. military. <laughs> that not what you, no, yeah. like you're a, you know. You're police, you're, 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 you're a Prince George's County cop. Right, you're, you you're I mean? beating <laughs> up and interning, like, civilians. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're, you're not freeing American Americans being held hostage in Fallujah. They're not really thing. protecting us. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I don't want to belabor the child internment camps. I think the, yeah, or concentration camps. Pictures and the the coverage of it has been has been pretty good um i don't have any qualms with that um so yeah i mean our position statement is fuck that fuck yeah. the yeah. fuck that shit um yeah. i mean i was bar mitzvah <coughs> and i have no problem with y'all calling it a <laughs> that's just one jew to all of our listeners but yeah um so to kind of escape out of the hell world we live in, uh, we're moving on to some good news and some more positive stuff going on on the left. Uh, most notably, uh, recently, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, beat the Democratic New York machine of corrupt Joe Crowley, which is absolutely huge. Um, and it's so fascinating to see the libs and the right wing losing their shit on social media and in the media in general. And it's, I, I've had an incredibly enjoyable time watching it. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to make a fool of myself here. Um, but like uh, without, uh, t- echoing other podcasts too much, it's funny when the, some folks like didn't even try to act like it was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think this is something that like Felix on top of, I was about yeah, to say but, that, <laughs> but, but the whole thing is, is that like it, it Favreau was right in that, like she did get people to knock doors and mm-hmm. make phone calls for her because she had a real message. She had a fucking message them, and she, her policies she was, were there for and, working and, people. And, and for whatever you want to say about what's just blah, 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 like she's there, she's been there. Like. There's right. pictures of her bartending there. There's all that stuff. And you can get all your little anecdotal oppo nonsense. But, like, for the most part, like, when you look at the votes, oh, low turnout, whatever, like, you, you get people excited about a message that is real and it it, it changes things. And, I mean, like, it, it, she's not – and I hate to, uh, and I hate to, like – take anything away from her at all because it's a way bigger win than anything i'm about to mention but like we talked about on this podcast like in in virginia in prince william county you have like a democratic socialist and a transgender uh, almost democratic socialist yeah, in our, a in, very in progressive policy, candidate yeah uh, uh, in a place that like the is the same place they represent people in the same county that Corey Stewart was the supervisor of. Right. The guy who his whole cause is to export anyone from his state who speaks Spanish as a first language and keep as many Confederate monuments up and flags up as possible and maybe erect more. And like, that's like, the, you know <laughs> what I mean? That's his whole platform. They got voters in his jurisdiction to go with them because they had a message that worked. And, you know, it's great news to hear that it doesn't just come down to little, you know, races like this, which are extremely important, but bigger ones like, uh, you know, uh, Cortez beating the, uh, machi- the Democratic I mean, machine. Yeah, I mean, this guy, I like probably raised millions of dollars for the for the Democratic National folks, and they're and probably D-trap. upset <laughs> because, you know, I don't think she's gonna make the same phone calls he made. 
Right, of course, because because you know I mean? because Her she doesn't time, she doesn't she know is any, not going to look like his call time. She doesn't know anybody on Wall Street. She doesn't know anybody <laughs> yeah. working for the health and who are executives of the health and insurance even if industry. She does know some some folks. This guy has been there for long enough that like he's you know he's got the ear of many folks. Right, he's got a certain image he had to uphold. He did uphold it. You know, but he he did nothing to advance it or move it around. He just kept, you know, he probably just kept going to call time. Right. Um. So I congrats. Yeah, congrats, congrats, Alexandria. It's a big, it's a big fucking win for the left. Finally, we actually have like an actual. She's going to be elected to Congress. Uh, but, we, you know, I think that it would be better if we had more military vets. And, <laughs> yeah. um, Public-private partnerships. Uh. <laughs> no, I just think we need more military vets and moderates running. Like, maybe some Democrats who have been in business before. Um, yeah, no. Well, I, speaking of military vets uh, having a, a stupid fucking strategy for winning the Midwest, Tammy Duckworth came out and, and said, you know, socialism and democratic socialists can't win in the Midwest, which... Uh, I think it's fucking completely removed from reality. The reason Dems aren't winning right now is because they don't have a message to the people in the working class. Yeah, I like I, yeah. a platform like uh, AOC's would win so would do very well in the Midwest. I yeah, I don't think you even necessarily have to try to translate an exact platform so much as what you have to do is is you need, and and this sounds so corny, but you need a politician who's from the place. Who is already involved in some kind of organizations in that area actively who can speak to both those organizations whether it's the church they go to the, the restaurant they bartend at um the you know the the dsa chapter they go you know whose meetings they go to whatever it is um you need someone like that who's willing to take the time to set up campaign infrastructure and then run and actually do it and not just try to spend a ton of money on fucking like yard signs and you know what i mean yeah. like and and, and it's it makes a big difference um when you get people excited about a real message and i hate to say it like a, a message of change mm-hmm. um and if you want to if you want to make the argument of like the forgotten man or whatever that in in you know trump's inauguration speech couldn't you argue that those people are just voting for change when they get rid of uh, uh, what was fucking Russ? Uh, he lost in Wisconsin. I believe. Feingold. Feingold. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Feingold. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Feingold yeah. wasn't offering change from an Obama era. Whether that's like whether that's Feingold's fault or not. You know what I mean? Right. I, I can't speak to the details of that. It's it, it. Those are people who wanted a change. Right. And, and AOC <coughs> represents a change in my opinion. I mean, like if from Crowley. So long shot. I think saying Democratic socialists can't win in the Midwest is is I agree. is fucking stupid. Because I mean, look at Milwaukee. Team. Look at Milwaukee. They've yeah. elected three socialist mayors. Where where's Eugene Debs from? He's from the fucking Midwest, right? Yeah. Like, it's not socialism. Just the cities, though, and not just it's not just the cities either. It's 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 a message to the working class that you know I I'm going to represent you. I'm not going to represent the elite, and that's a message that plays. To all working class people, no matter where you're from, yep. um, and you know, not to just harp on this too much. Um, I did want to make a point uh, about the DSA, and I, I have some concerns with uh, the influx of membership and the people who have been joining. I think are more of social democrats rather than democratic socialists. And there was a 
uh, Kyle Kalinske, who is like a YouTube personality, actually did a very great segment on this uh, where he was analyzing MSNBC's Stephanie Rule, uh, her piece on the DSA and what democratic social socialism is. I don't know if you saw that piece, but she basically just described social democracy um, and totally missed the points of like uh, worker ownership, which is a, a big fucking tenant of socialism, right? Um, so I'm concerned about this because I think we're going to be having a lot more people join the DSA who don't actually understand what socialism is. And they have a different concept, more of like a Bernie Sanders, social democracy, what Scandinavia type thing. I was thing. earlier in the episode. You tax 90%. Yes. But yeah, like that's, that's social you're democracy. You're not changing the fundamental not, relationship right. between worker and capital. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's what, uh, I'm, I'm very concerned about, um, so, I mean, I think it's good. I, I'd, I'd love to have more people join the DSA. I just want them to and, be socialists. And openly, like, I'm not in the DSA because I'm not sure that I'm there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to be totally honest That's with you. That's fine. Like, I'm in the place where, like, I want, as I have described earlier on the episode, everything taxed very high, especially if it's uh, anything to do with equities or any kind of savings and investments, tax them at a way higher rate. Yeah. Tax income at a way higher rate at the top brackets. Right, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying that I don't believe that the worker capital relationships would change. I just don't know if I'm there yet, and so I'm not going to join the DSA yet. Right, and and that's I may, that that's may, fine. That could very likely be. I've been trending in that direction for you'll, you'll come around for years. You'll come around. So you, yeah, it will likely happen. But like I'm, I totally understand where you're coming from, Brennan. I got some literature. You there should are read. many people who are less who are less willing to uh, accept the kind of socialist policies that I'd be willing to accept that I know that have joined DSA. Right. And that's the, yeah, that's the, un- that's slightly unfortunate for the brand. So, yeah, I agree. And that's, that's where my concerns are. I think it's great that people are joining, but I want them to actually know what socialism is. Yep. Um, moving on, uh, more good news. Uh, Ben Jealous. Yeah, Ben Jealous wins in Maryland. Yep. NAACP president, I believe. Endorsed uh, by Our Revolution, which is Bernie's group. Um, Dave Chappelle was his surrogate. Dave Chappelle. Come on. Dave Chappelle. If Dave Chappelle's and your surrogate. You know what? Like- I'm going to be honest with you. That race, as much as you can hate on the Maryland establishment Democrats that are Ben Cardin, Chris Van Hollen, um, those guys, Dutch Ruppersberger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as you can hate on those guys, Steny Hoyer. They had some pretty good choices. I think Rashern Baker was a good politician who ran, who was PG County executive, and then I think had a more uh, the higher position other than that. But um, he he ran against uh, Jealous, lost by a decent amount. Rashern Baker would have been uh, just like I would have liked him just as much. The thing that gets to me is is that. Larry Hogan, who Ben Jealous will run against, yeah, has made himself very popular by right. basically taking advantage of neoliberalism more <laughs> than anyone, maybe in the, the history of politics. And I may have talked about this before, but this dude has basically monopolized wind energy on the Chesapeake Bay by just, I don't, I don't know like what word to use, but decimating every loophole in the clean power plan to pay zero taxes so he can pay like workers nothing yeah. and not have to hire union contracts and do all this kind of stuff to put up all this renewable energy all throughout Maryland because they don't really have oil there. So he just said, you know what, if I lose a, a thousand votes in Western Maryland where there might be a tiny bit of shale, whatever, I'm going to 
take advantage of all these Obama policies mm-hmm. and I'm going to be corporate friendly as hell and say, hey, of guys, course. hey, guys, you can come here and I don't even have to pay for a third of the subsidy because Obama's going to do it for me. Right. And like just he courted. And so, you know, Hogan looks like this progressive bipartisan guy. But in reality, he's just <laughs> like, don't give money to Baltimore don't yeah. give money to Prince George's yep. County. Yep. That's, that's, you know what I mean? Don't give money to where black people live. Like, do everything we can to not improve services or anything there. Or like any, I mean, like then, more broadly you know, speaking, like then, any working class. Like, no, he does care about the working class in white. Uh, in, no, he really does in white Maryland chesapeake bay shores he cares about those folks he wants them to put up solar panels put up wind uh energy plants run them he really does that's the thing he wants them to do that because he gets uh, he gets all these tax cuts from the fucking clean power plant and credits to do that with he can trade those credits for cash to other states you know what i mean and then that's the thing that Larry Hogan does. He's just a capitalist. Right. And so, yeah. Like, yeah. And so, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Want, he doesn't want to try to put green energy or, or modernize the port in Baltimore. Why? Who lives in Baltimore? Yeah. Not the working class <laughs> white people that right. live in eastern Maryland or, you know what I mean, who, who, you know, can put up, who have large amounts of rural space to put up. Uh, you know, massive clean energy projects and then maintain them um, all while the corporation is actually like probably getting paid by the state to do it somehow. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So that's going to be an interesting governor's race to watch. Yeah. And he has the celebrity endorsements. He has a strong message. Um, He's a great message. Strong message. And the thing that helps jealous is that um, Prince George's County and Montgomery County are have a lot of voters. Yep. yep. Baltimore has a lot of voters. Yep. And I don't want to say voters, a lot of non-voters. Uh, exactly. That's exactly. What I, that's what I really mean. Yeah, exactly. They have a lot of folks who don't vote very often. Well, going back to AOC, yeah. a third of the country, I mean, more than really a third of the country turnout. doesn't fucking vote, yeah, right? She had such a low turnout, even for that. It's true. Question. It's true. Yeah. But it's, it is an off year and everything. Yeah, but yeah. like, oh, yeah. um, but my point, my point was that like, Oh fuck! What was my point? The whole country, you're saying? Yeah, vote. Y- yeah. The whole country doesn't fucking vote, and like the way you get those people is by having a message that resonates with them. Like there is a reason they don't vote, and that's because they fucking know both parties fucking suck. Yeah, and yeah, and and they also feel like it doesn't change their lives. Exactly. Exactly. They want they want somebody who has a message that will say, "Look, I'm going to promote policy that is going to better your life." Like mm-hmm. Medicare for all would do that. That would. There's so many people in this country worried about premiums I mean, and, and, and I mean, co-pays and everything. Like, like even Obama a little bit, like, co-opted in, in urban areas. He co-opted a, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, gay marriage should be legal everywhere. Yeah. In 08. Yeah. And uh, you know what I mean? Like, he really kind of did that selectively. And in places where he didn't need to say that, he really stayed away from it. But, like, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that it's like... Like what you're saying, it's like if you can promise people that you can change their lives somehow, that's such snake oil salesmanship. But like if you actually do have the reason to want to do it and like a message and policies that can create it, like that, it changes things. And like, again, I'm going to echo another website, but like, or another uh, podcast rather, but like I, I worked for the fucking Hillary campaign. 
<laughs> I there was no copy that they asked me to read on the phone or while knocking doors that told any people about anything that was tangibly going to change their lives. Right. We're talking about fucking forward together. <laughs> um, um, we're, we're not them. We're going. Yeah, yeah, dude. We're not. Uh, we're, that's that's how they run elections it, no, now. It was all forward together, Virginia together. Oh, dude. That's the how they run elections. So They're and like, we're like, not them. It was like, if people ask questions, go to the website. The website was really detailed. The policies were all right. They weren't great. They were all right. All right. They were all right. I, they, I, they, they, in, in many circles, you could call them terrible. In, in many circles within American politics, you could call them progressive. And so that's the whole thing is like, they were really middle of the road, but they were better. It was a continuation of Obama era for the most part. Mm-hmm. And it, like, Oh, but they were there. Oh, she had the policies. They were on the website. Yes, but like I, I read your scripts and like they didn't. It was it was generic uh, things about healthcare. Generic right. things about yeah. Uh, all I know. this generic stuff. No, they don't know. Like the t- average voters, you know, and like they teach that at GW a little bit too. Like, oh, the average voter is not gonna is not that smart to recognize these things. And while like I can understand saying yes, that's true. Like. No, uh, no. Honestly, like, explain to people a one tangible thing that is is common in the area they're from, and do the fucking homework on it. What is something that people are taking a bath on in Alexandria, Virginia? I don't know what it is. It's probably restaurant and meals tax is like the next thing. Talk to them about it, even if it isn't can't be affected. Like, it's just that's that's the shit that gets to me. But. Alas, we have we have change coming. I think with uh, I, some of these races, living in a very interesting political time. Yes. Um, moving on to some more good news. Um, there's been mass protest. Uh, the libs have joined the socialists in the proper position by saying Crazy. ICE needs to be abolished. Crazy. Which I am. I love it. I love I, it. I love. Thank you, libs, for coming around on this. It's great. Please continue to see we said see this the light. On this podcast a while ago too. I could be wrong. About what? This. Well, you were saying we should get rid of ice. I'm pretty. Sure. I think I think we may have mentioned it. I don't. I, I don't know if I did or Zach did or you did, but um, yeah. fuck yeah. ice. Yeah, they should be abolished. Yep. Um. Anyways, so that's that's you know promising and very hopeful. Um, shout out to and I rarely will ever give a shout out to a Democratic uh, congressional. Uh, official but shout out to Maxine Waters for standing up for to standing up to fascism um, solidarity with her um, need to be, every member of Congress and th- this hot take here very hot take needs to be more like Maxine Waters ex- not just yes. in that way you need to come out and say how you feel all the time I'm serious because she does right and that's why she gets in trouble sometimes she's unapologetic and I love that she just comes out and says how she feels I need every member of congress to be more like maxine waters in that way and look folks civility was dead after a fucking nazi killed heather hair right civility is fucking dead yeah you cannot like this is fascism we need to fucking fight it (laughs) i mean look we talked about earlier in the episode uh, there's a now a ban that is effectively a muslim ban right this an abrahamic religion for fuck's sake like oh god i don't know so um yeah and speaking of more people standing up to fascism uh my my branch of the dsa metro dc dsa um you know brought out like 12 or so organizers 
to confront Christian Nielsen at, uh, of all places, in a, a Mexican restaurant in yes. a bougie part of D.C. Yeah, and I mean, look, the, the, I think that the funniest thing is, is tying this back just a little bit to the Demo- uh, p- folks joining the DSA, that was really popular Absolutely. on neoliberal Twitter. Yep. Um, and I think that it's funny. I mean, how when you show the hashtag resistance, that there's more to it than tweets and calling Senate offices. <laughs> um, that, like, <laughs> that, like, that, like, whoa, whoa. Maybe, the, maybe if we just say DSA instead of saying socialist. That this thing could be pretty cool right <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like <laughs> these guys got some good ideas like it, i don't know it's funny to be and it's and it's great and shout out dc dsa um again my trend line moving further and further towards just giving the, the worker the capital yes um, comrade so, yeah, join us so, you know um shout out them on that front but so um, that was great. Also, Sarah Fuckabee Sanders um, was kicked out of a restaurant. Totally support that. Fuck her. She was judged by the content of her character, not her skin. She's a terrible person. She should not be, uh, you know, allowed to <laughs> uh, have any sort of peace while they're doing, like, you know, fucking just lying in front of the American people all the time and implementing terrible fucking policies that are Look, so you, removed from any humanity. If you are... Um, a member of an administration that's policy is that someone who is undocumented, even if they are at work making nothing next to nothing, um, you, her, she represents an administration that's policies are, if I know that that's the case, I need you to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't dine in a restaurant. You're making my workers uncomfortable. You're a member of a regime that wants to eliminate my uh, like citizenship. Who wants country. to live in a fucking white supremacist country? Like, you're making them. Yeah, you're making them uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe try talking to your boss about that. You know what I mean? I don't know. And and then the civility nonsense. It's just like, look, I get that we want all these beautiful First Amendment rights or whatever. And it, but for, on not it, when you're it, advocating an ethno state. <laughs> Not when you're advocating an ethno state and not when you not when it comes down to the fact that it's like it's okay when you talk about these things, but it's not okay when you talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, come on. Um, Additionally, there was a mother with a infant child who confronted uh, corrupt Scott Pruitt. Um, telling him to resign for a multitude of his, you know, inefficiencies know and indiscretions as the EPA administrator. Shout um, out that dude for the longest grift of all time. Right. Not actual shout out, but like, Jesus but like, Christ, this dude. The openly corrupt. of things that he bought, and I'm stitching this together from multiple articles, they bought a, a fucking battering ram to knock down doors. Wait, seriously? <laughs> yes, because he bought a biometric door to his office, and they were worried they might have, like, locked him out of it, and they bought, like, a $2,000 oh batting, battering ram. I don't know if that actually happened, but they did buy all of these things. And, like, the only logical explanation is they locked themselves out of the biometric door, or they, the salesman told them to buy both. And uh, spent like twenty eight hundred dollars on tactical pants for his security crew. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, um, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> tacti- listed it. Oh, and tactical polos. Oh um, my god! I swear to God, tactical polos. Um, that what was like it, an like additional cost. The white route? I don't remember how much those were. The pants were fucking twenty eight hundred dollars for tactical pants. Was the most memorable line for me. Um, he also would like make his staff hunt down this lotion that was only at Ritz Carlton's. Um, he would make them do that. He insisted on having a security escort everywhere he went, even like Le Diplomat. Um, <laughs> and he would do that like Fucking four times a week. Hung out at the um, White House mess hall for like way too long. Got kicked out multiple times. Not like kicked out, but being like, sir, we're closing. Yeah. At, like the White House mess hall when he had been there since like 1 p.m. Um, that kind of thing. Um, and so like sayonara to that dude. Um, but yeah, good he's riddance. just going to hit that revolving door hard. And a lot of the folks in the oil industry are crying right now, but they like Andrew Wheeler, who was a coal industry executive. Right, and lobbyist. Or lobbyist, rather. Not executive, but lobbyist, um, who's you know going to be taken over. But whatever. I mean, Pruitt, sayonara. Um, Good I'm riddance. sorry Fuck your wife yourself. couldn't get a Chick-fil-A franchise or a job at the Republican <laughs> Governors Association. I'm sorry you, that you and your daughter couldn't get free rent anymore, but you know it was a fun, it was a fun ride while it lasted. Um, and I hope you get to keep at least one of those tactical polos. So just to bring this all together, the only way to affect change at this point in this like so, like ever increasingly fast uh, crawl to ca- or to fascism is to directly confront these people in public and shame them. They should be shamed. Their ideas are absolutely disgusting, and you know, I, yeah. There is I'm a limit to free speech when I'm you're advocating an ethno state that is completely undesirable for um, folks who want to be here because they want a, a capitalist somewhere else to gain an advantage. Right. I want those folks to feel extremely uncomfortable in the city that I'm in every day. Absolutely, and <laughs> they I, they don't belong. Yeah, that's how I feel. And like <laughs> I said, <laughs> they should feel that. Look, civility is fucking dead. These people should be shamed, and they have no place here. Yeah. And I think we can move yeah. on to election coverage after that happy note. Um, yeah. So I we I think we talked about wanting to go over a, a, a bunch of Senate races um, real quick. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we're not going to go through like every race detail, but just give you guys an idea of what's going on, what's close, what's not close. And, uh, yeah. So the, um, I mean, obviously we're not going to go through like New York and, and California and like Washington state. Cause like, obviously, uh, we know but where Chuck those are going. Schumer is in danger. Fuck Chuck Schumer. Or whoever's running. Um, or either way. Wait, I forget. Who is it? I don't actually. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it, it doesn't really matter. But so in Montana we have uh tester versus Rosendale, right? Yeah. Um, so I, we can talk about, a. a I, first thing I want to talk about is I was listening to a little bit of Trump's campaign speech, mm-hmm. um, along with fucking Greg Gianforte. <laughs> um, yep, yep. These are if you want to know what it's like when you're really Google a, that name, guys. If you want to know what a radio nerd is like, you're you're lo- you're listening to one. Um, but yeah, I listened to that rally um, for some reason on C-SPAN Radio, and yeah. They're, they're, he's Rosendale. If if those endorsements and the way they're talking about him mean anything, he's he's crazy. Um, yep. Um, I mean, he's the type of guy who, if if you're trying to bring him a pound of sugar because you're his neighbor, he's probably gonna shoot you before you can get to the door. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it's crazy, and and Tester will probably probably win this race. I feel like I think it will be tight, but I think he'll come away with it just because Rosendale has absolutely no name recognition and is like exactly. A, and a, and a, Tester a Tester is a guy who really does I think know where he's at, um, and his name recognition is also big because in terms of seniority and stuff. I mean, dude knows how to court Wall Street as a Democrat. Fuck yes, he does. Knows how to do it well. Knows how to work things out with health healthcare companies, insurance companies specifically. Um, and, I mean, he's an operator in terms of politics. And <laughs> he's health. an operator. He seriously <laughs> is, dude. He, he, like, he has some smart ledge staff. You know what I mean? They're, I'm, not, I'm not saying I agree with what they do, but they're, they're slick and they find ways to manipulate the system. Um, and then we have a race that I think is a little closer, and I think Jack would agree, is what Heidi Heitkamp, who's she running against? Uh, Kevin Kramer. Okay. I don't know too much about him, uh, but I'm predicting that just because Heitkamp is so terribly she's unpopular. She's in trouble. She's go- we're, Democrats are going to lose that seat, and it's going to flip. Um, but just to go over the seats, or the, the Senate seats that I think the Dems are going to flip, um, I think they're going to flip Nevada, and they're going to flip Arizona. Uh, I, I definitely agree with I, Arizona. I know um, just there's both DNC support and a groundswell of support for cinema. Oh, yeah. She, Look at her funding, too. She's so really, much cash on hand right now. She did now. a really good job early on of getting in on the, the – um, Arizona basically was the, is the worst <laughs> affected by what Trump has done to the ACA. Right. And she did an extremely good job – of uh, seriously getting to fucking every nursing home every fucking nursing home being like you are about to get fucked you are about to get fucked yeah. you are about to get fucked and then a month later their bills went up 60 percent mm-hmm. 60 fucking percent which is and she came back and she goes vote for me vote yeah. for me vote for me and i mean come on i give her credit there even if it's aca and that's what a, she's a neoliberal for. economic like, policy. You know, like, yeah. like I give her credit there. She got way out in front of it. Um, and she was doing that. Like I said, this is 2017 springtime. Um, she's out there. So, so to go to the Nevada race, yeah. uh, Jackie Rosen, I think she's going to take it. Um, I don't know much about her. She is the congresswoman from the Las Vegas region. She's well, very well funded. I like big re- name recognition. I'm a lot fine of big with donors. Women in general, more women. In we need more capitalist women running for Congress. That's what we need. Capitalist women. Capitalist women. Ooh. Um. Anyways, so uh, those are the two that I think the Dems are going to flip. Um. So we went through Montana, North Dakota, Florida. That's going to be a very interesting race. Always interesting in Florida. Absolutely. And I think, personally, I think this is too close to call. I know you think uh, our beloved boy, Rick Scott, is going to take that. Oh, in in the governor's race there, I think? The governor's race there or the Senate? In the Senate, who's Scott running against? I thought... I thought he. I thought it was Bill Nelson Bill against oh, yeah, Rick yeah, Scott because yeah, right, DeSantis right. is running for governor. Yeah, there. yeah excuse me. I, I'm. I messed up there. Um, you're right. Um, I think that it's going to be a Republican victory there. I think that, um, beyond the stupidity of the Politico Villages article about um, <laughs> people, uh, people really are moving to these places in in Western Florida, uh, the West Coast of Florida, and it, it's. Really interesting to me. I've witnessed it kind of firsthand. I would go down there uh, for vacation pretty frequently growing up um, for, uh, for about 10 years there. And it was right in the middle of that 10 years is right in the heart of the recession. Um, and 
I really came to figure out that <clears throat> they had built tons of subdivisions that weren't built, but just roads, lights, no houses necessarily, some places empty houses. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see the big short, they go there, whatever. Right. Um, but like those are now full and then expanding. And most of those folks are unfortunately Republicans. Um, and that's one thing you got to think about. Um, I don't know the numbers. Maybe there's more folks in, you know, Miami and more, you know, folks on the, the east coast of Florida and in general um, that are going to going to show up. But I, it scares me a little bit because I don't think that Nelson um, brings any change message, any hopeful message. I think he just brings a message of like, yo, I'm a steady Democrat. I'm the incumbent. Vote, vote for me. me. <laughs> I'm the incumbent. I'm a steady Democrat, and that's why you should vote for me. And I just want to see... I want to. I, I want to see Democrats win, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Th- I I agree. I don't think Bill Nelson has the message to get there. Uh, Rick Scott's very well funded. Uh, I'm not saying Bill Nelson isn't, but um, I want to go co-opt Bill Nelson's message with me. We're a little <laughs> late to the game. It's July, but um. So another interesting race that's going to be very close. Um, and I think is going to go to the GOP. Unfortunately, is Missouri. Uh, we have Josh Howley running against incumbent progressive star Claire McCaskill. Uh, Claire's in big trouble here. Um, she's not particularly popular. Um, and uh, the voters are, I think, won't change. Um, yeah. I don't really have a more astute political analysis other than that because I don't know much. I don't know much about Josh Howley. I'll, I just I'll, know Claire McCaskill's very unpopular. I'll put it this way. Um, he lost, but... We can argue that Jason Kander went viral with his gun-loading video. It was great, I thought. (laughs) Yeah, I do this and I hate this, Uh, whatever it was. You know, I can do this and I think that it's bad. Um, Cool, but he lost, you know what I mean? And, like, I think I don't think that the state just loved Trump that much and just hated Hillary that much. I think that it was a real sign of a a slightly – a curve – going away from her yeah well i mean if she i think if she ran a, a campaign that actually stood on like um progressive or socialist policy she might have a chance but she wouldn't even need to call it that no she wouldn't she wouldn't no. she could just, just be like i i i fucking policies i unapologetically support medicare for all i think she wins on that Not, <laughs> like we need to come together for a better america right yeah that that shit doesn't win <laughs> elections and until the democrats change the, that strategy they're going to keep losing um, so another interesting race, and this this one is a real toss-up, and I I don't know how to call it, uh, is the Tennessee race. We have Phil Bredesen, uh, who's the former governor, who was went out with a 70% approval rating when he was governor, uh, very well-known throughout the state, very well-funded. He's a corporate Democrat, uh, versus Marsha Blackburn, who, uh, if you know anything about Marsha, she is... Uh, insufferable to say the least yeah i i don't know about that one i think that it goes democrat um again on my anecdotal population studies but i think that uh cities like memphis knoxville and nashville Nashville, are all getting a little bigger and i think that just means a few more dem votes in those places Mm -hmm. and 
especially for a corporate dem. Um, it's easy for them to do. And especially educated, in the South. Educated folks are moving to cities. Um, educated folks vote more often. Um, right. And that's really anecdotal. Um, I don't have, I'm not going to pull out any real data on that for y'all, but yeah, I don't know. I think that the dem holds on, but I think that you're right. It's going to be very close. It's going to be tight. Gonna be, it, it's going to require a campaign that gets those folks to vote. Exactly. In an, and... off, in an off year. Exactly. In a place that they probably are already really happy with. Like if you're if you're really happy with the place you live, <laughs> you're not that motivated to go vote and change it. You right. know what I mean? Uh so moving on, um this might be uh you know, I think Tennessee is interesting and, and probably one of the more interesting ones, but this one is also gonna be interesting to see if it stays with the incumbent. Uh, Joe Donnelly, and that, this is Indiana. Yeah. Joe Donnelly in Indiana versus Mike Braun. Uh, Mike Braun is a Trump, I, you know, for lack of a better term, Trump-style Republican, uh, meaning he's a fascist. <laughs> so Mike Pence brand with a little right. more flair. Exactly. Yes, that's Indiana. a that is a great way to put right. it. Indiana. He's cut from the same cloth. It's like Warner and Kane. <laughs> they're they're similar in that way, I think. So traditionally, I would say Mike Braun would win this, right? Um, and actually I, I, you know, I know this probably isn't a very informative episode because I'm like, literally these are too close to call, but, um, this is going to be an interesting race. Oh yes. Joe Donnelly, uh, very corporate Democrat, um, has good funding. Um, but he's running against a Trump style Republican who's got that, you know, Trump endorsement behind his name. Indiana typically will go for the Republican, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I hate to say it, but I think I think Donnelly might lose the seat here. Yeah, it's a toss up. It really is a toss up, and I I can't call it. Um, two last races we wanted, actually three last races I wanted to talk about. Uh, here in Virginia, we have unfortunately Tim Kaine running again, who I I I, I loathe um, mm -hmm. less so than Mark Warner, but I still loathe him. Uh, versus uh, white nationalist Corey Stewart. Yeah, um, that's not going to be close. I, I'm, no. I'm calling it now. It's not going to be close. No, it's um, not. Tim Kaine's going to win in the landslide. Did I just miss that? Yeah, we're going to talk about him next. Okay. Oh, my bad. My bad. Um, um, yeah, no, there's no, like, like, I've I've talked about Corey Stewart a little bit already this episode about his Confederate policies um, or whatever you <laughs> want to call them. Um, but yeah, no, dude's going to lose. Um, you People still need to knock doors, show up and vote. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, he's he, the chances of him winning are tough. Um, it's funny. I don't know why I subject myself to it, but I listen to John Frederick's radio show sometimes, <laughs> which is this right wing, uh, Virginia beach area based. Oh Richmond God, based, why do you do that to yourself? Um, radio show. Cause he has on all the politicians on all sides of things and from Virginia. Uh. Um, so I just like to listen to those interviews. And like I said, I'm a weirdo. I listen to the Trump fucking rally <laughs> on C-SPAN radio, but yeah, the, the, uh, the, 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 the vibe I get is that the G Virginia GOP is like, oh, fuck, god damn it, what are we going to do? What, we have no brand identity. We just ran Galepsi, and now we're running Stewart. Like, we have no idea who we are. Um, the guys who raise money for us are running away, and we just don't know what's next. Um, and so, I don't know. In Virginia, it seems like Tim Kaine, both because of his VP run, um, that helped building his name recognition combined with um, he's going to have his probably Pusha T surrogate again. Are you familiar <laughs> with this? No, I'm not. Pusha T went hard for Hillary and Tim Kaine. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because he's from Virginia folks. Beach. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he would... 
this dude, I'm not even kidding, was in van. Like, the, the DNC's fucking vote builder system, NGP van, where you, like, list whose doors you're knocking on. That's, like, basically Salesforce software. <laughs> yeah. He was in it. Like, this dude oh, knocked God. doors. It was crazy. Um, But, yeah, anyway, that's... The, Tim Kaine's gonna win. Um, we then I think I had I had one last thing yeah. to say. Yeah. I like I said I loathe Tim Kaine, but uh, the alternative is a white nationalist. I, yeah. I I I will begrudgingly vote for Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine, and I will relentlessly tweet at him about I fucking how much yeah. I fucking hate his policies. And, and, <laughs> okay, here I and and, and w- w- final note on Tim Kaine. I said this to Jack um, off pod, but like. The guy, I think, unlike other neoliberals who are more self-serving and more like that way, I think he's ideologically just genuinely that way. He wants an America with a big, strong army. He gives speeches in Spanish about being Yo neoliberal. Soy Tim about being like neoliberal, like. You know, I don't know. I don't, you know, I think that like he's that's who he is. You know, like he wants to convince you know like working class Latino families to be neoliberal. He wants to convince everyone. You know, he's not he's not like uh he's not a coalition builder like Tim no, Kaine no, is. You know, like, Tim Kaine is Tim Kaine, and and uh you know you can hate him for it a little bit as I think we both do a little bit and. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, whatever. He's gonna be. He's gonna be who he is. Um. So, do we want to move on to Mansion? Yeah, let's talk about Mansion because I know we're split on this. I think he's gonna win. I think it's a toss up. I think that Mansion has gotten himself in trouble because the uh, it's so hard to um, manage or control a Trump PR cycle. Right. And I think that Mansion is just one Trump PR cycle away from getting fucked. Because he has courted, he's courted Trump, and he's tried to play like I'm this, like I'm the bipartisan mover and I'm a maverick. <laughs> I'm a yeah, I, I, you know, and I just, it's working for him right now. But I, like I said, I think he's just one or two, and he's there's enough time for fucking six Trump news cycles, um, attacking Senate candidates, and I think at least one of them is going to be one against Manchin. And I don't know if he survives it, to be honest with you, in that state. So he's running against Patrick Morrissey. And Patrick Morrissey is a former lobbyist AG, for the... Too, yeah, he was he was yeah. the former AG and a former uh, Beltway lobbyist for the medical industrial complex. Um, so, again, it, it, will, it will be tight. I do think Manchin comes out on top. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not saying he loses. He is. I, he doesn't have terrible. He doesn't have terrible approval rating in yeah, West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if he wanted to win in a landslide, to be obvious, the direction he should go. <laughs> but hey, um, yeah, you know that's that's just us. Uh, so what was the last race we were going to? Oh, Texas. We got uh, rich kid Beto running against um, Dude, Zodiac Killer Ted Cruz. <laughs> From the Beto campaign. I'm sorry? I The Beto communications director for his campaign um, went to GW, gave our commencement address. Um, dude is young Aaron Sorkin, man. Beto? No, the communications director. Oh, it's his comms his, director. The guy I'm sure he speeches. is. He's a fucking comms director for Beto. Like, um, of course he's Sorkin-esque. Beto um, wrote for the Senate Democrats. Um, this kid, I mean, great. I'm not going to take it away from him. He's a good writer, but... Uh, it's just this is going to be a fun one, I think. Well, I don't think I think Cruz wins this easily. Um, I think he wins easy. I think he wins easy. Okay, I think he has like a fifty percent approval rating in Texas. Um, 
you know, maybe this immigration stuff that's coming up recently shifts I, shifts the conversation and brings out more more libs and lefties. In, but I can't get into like the real like digging around I used to be able to do in that Democratic voter system. They've like updated their software unfortunately mm, for me, yeah. um, so I can't get <laughs> creep anymore. I wonder what the what the numbers look like um, for doors knocked, phone calls made, all that stuff. It'd be interesting in those areas because that's going to be super important, and it's something that like people just didn't ask those. I, this is obvious, but like people didn't ask those questions about Hillary in Wisconsin, and when you went and looked, you're like, oh no. They so didn't actually knock the doors. They didn't actually make the calls. Like, I mean, just to talk about Beto. Yeah, go ahead. Like. I I do I do applaud him for not taking any corporate PAC money. That's great, but move fucking farther left, god damn it! <laughs> like, uh, but he's not because you know what he's he comes from a very wealthy background. He's going to represent his interests more than he's going to represent the working class. And I think like, uh, you know, I mean, it's Ted Cruz. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't see him pulling it off. I think, like, the last poll I checked, like, cruises up by, like, 13%. But, like, hey, yeah. there's, you know, there's bigger odds to overcome, right? Yeah. It has been done. I think it could happen. I don't think. I think it's, uh, I think it leans Republican in the in the polling world. You know, you got toss-up, leans safe. I think it's leans Republican. Yeah. You got anything else? Um, that's, that's not, yeah, that's about it for me. Um, I think that. When it comes down to us talking about Senate races um, and anything like that, if you're still listening at this point, <laughs> um, I would say that Cheers if you. you live in and just because of who our constituency may be, if you live in Fairfax County, I don't care how you feel about Jennifer Wexton, like do something for her between now and that time. And if, in, if all it is, is getting a, a thing that's going to remind you to vote for her. Um, Barbara Comstock can't win again, and that's like my my point of action at the end of this podcast. And I might say it again at the end of the next one and the next one because she sucks. She's she's so terrible, bad. And, she's and absolutely she needs god to awful. Lose because I know too many people who live in her district who would be extremely offended by the policies that she's gone along with. Not even just offended, but hurt. I know. <laughs> like, I literally I know tens of people, and I am not. I am not a social butterfly. Okay. That's and that that tells you everything you need to know. I know tens of people in her district who need to show up and vote. Some of them are my family members, and they need to show up and vote because they don't. Um, but that's yeah. I mean, come on. To go off to go off that and yeah, Barbara Comstock. She's known on Capitol Hill's no comment Comstock because she literally does not take any. I mean, like she's a Republican, so yeah, I don't want her taking any hardline Republican positions. But at the same time, she she's fucking spineless, like. Yep, she says nothing. Yeah, she says nothing. She's a terrible Doesn't talk candidate. She needs she needs to get out, and we need to get people in who are actually going to represent the working class and not capital on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, and I mean, even if Wexton is cut from a more centrist cloth um, than a candidate we'd like to see, it's going to be someone who is going to move the needle left. Right. Um, and if she, you know, it's just... it's. You know, this, this is close to home for a lot of folks who are listening. Um, and I know that if I'm going to go help out, um, I'm definitely going to let y'all know and y'all should come with me. So uh, one last thing I want to plug before we go. On August 12th, um, there will be a 
Unite the Right Part Two White Supremacist Fascist Rally in Washington D.C. If you if you're going to be in Washington D.C., please come. Uh, the DSA will be there. Uh, a lot of left organizations will be there, and we'll be fighting and standing against fascists um, who want to uh, do an ethno state by cleansing the population of anybody who's not a, a rich white Protestant, or not even rich, but a white male. Yep. <clears throat> or woman, just white. Yep. So uh, come out August 12th um, to stand against fascism, make your voice heard. Um, and other than that, that's a show. Um, thanks for tuning in. And uh, like, subscribe, rate, all that good shit. And uh, we'll see you next week. Later, y'all. Peace.